Hey, what's up? You're listening to the Hammer and Nigel Show podcast. Thanks for checking it out and make sure you subscribed. I think it's awesome. The Hammer and Nigel Show on 93 WIPC. You rock. My name is Nigel. Jason Hammer is here. Uh, probably one of the strongest and most destructive hurricanes ever to hit Florida. Hurricane Ian absolutely decimating southwest Florida areas in southwest Florida. Now making a second landfall as a Category 1 storm in South Carolina. But the damage has been done. Uh, billions upon billions of dollars worth of damage. And now we're here in the uh, rescue and recovery phase. And that'll bring us to the drivehubler.com hotline. Mark Herrera is a seasoned law enforcement officer and trainer. He trains first responders all around the country in extreme situations. Uh, Mark, thanks for making time. How are you? Thank you, Hammer. I'm assuming this is Hammer, correct? This is Hammer and Nigel. You got yes. us both, Mark. We're both here, uh, my man. Hammer and Nigel, man. It's a, truly a pleasure. I just want to, first of all, I'm doing well, but thank you for being so informative and letting everybody know, giving them these required updates that they need. So I, I appreciate being a part of your day. Yeah, Mark. So tell me, we'll drill down into the, the first responders, what they're experiencing, what they're trained to do. Just give me your overall impression, though, as somebody that's an expert in emergency response, what you've seen, what this hurricane has done to uh, southwest Florida. Yeah, we got to know that obviously federal responders are working alongside probably over 5,000, you know, Florida National Guard members and other state response and emergency folks are all coming together to begin that search and rescue, right? So the search and rescue group, the coordination group is basically coordinating with obviously the, the state of, of Florida and all of their local part, partners to start searching, searching and rescue efforts. Now, mind you, here's the thing. That's it's it's a challenge, right? Because yeah. you're going to find that a lot of folks are going to have probably turned up missing. I know that we've had as of this morning. I think there were over 2021 20, was the last number that I heard. Mm -hmm. But again, it's going to be it's going to take some time. Uh, but rest assured that these teams were in place way in advance of of the storm. How much can they manage? It just depends on uh, the the, vol the, the well. It all depends on how severe the storm was, and we know that it took a toll on Florida. So recovery efforts on on their way. Um, you know, it's it's incumbent upon those that are, you know, that are needing assistance or help. That obviously they're going to have to use caution when they go back to their homes yeah. or if indeed they're in their homes that's going to be critical mark jason hammer here when you say people are in the rescue process right now what does that mean does that mean go, you know like rafting through the neighborhood looking for people stranded or are people like kicking down doors right now how does this work so that means that teams are already deployed in, in all of the different areas. So most likely these teams have been sectored off in such a way where they can cover large areas to do, a, you know, complete grid searches. When they do these searches, yes, to, to your point, they're going to be checking any, any and everywhere people could potentially be, right? So, uh, but again, in order for them to do that, they've got to make sure that the conditions are safe for those folks to actually enter those areas. So that creates a delay. So when people are needing help and assistance, they may not receive that immediate assistance that they need because again, you don't want to compromise the safety of these rescue teams yes. as well. How do you make sure 
the situation is safe. Mark, you're a guy that's uh, worked a long time in law enforcement. You've trained uh, around the country, first responders in extreme situations. These guys are trained to save other people's lives, but they can't go in and save lives if they're not protecting themselves as well. That's 100%. That's why whenever it comes down to evacuating, uh, you know, your communities, it's critical to do so in advance because, again, uh, you know, you're compromising the safety and well-being also of these emergency responders for the sake of weathering weathering the storm. What they're going to do is basically make an attempt to identify what are the hazards. Now, there's no guarantee, even when they look when it looks like conditions may be safe. Keep in mind, there's down power lines, right? There's there's you got to know that there's wildlife in Florida, right? And we we know the type of wildlife that's in Florida as well. So if you're wading in those waters, think about it. Yeah, a lot of that wildlife, alligators have been displaced. Wow. Mark Herrera is our guest. He's an expert in emergency response. So, Mark, how long do these teams that have come from other states usually stay in a situation like this? Uh, They could be there. They could be there the entire the entire month. So it, it just varies and it just depends on the severity of of the destruction. And they're going to search any and everywhere that they can. that's that's feasible. People that know that there's family members or others that are missing, they're going to do their due diligence to try to identify, you know, where they were last located, just as just as as you would with anyone else. And then they'll try to saturate those areas to identify, see if they can actually find these folks. But it's it's not a it's not an overnight process. It's going to take some it's going to take some time. And for these folks that did not survive the storm, uh, mm. chances are they're going to be it's going to be a challenge to find some of those folks. That's why. When I sit on these on these shows, I tell them, listen, adhere to these warnings. You've got ample time right now. Evacuate. Move yourself inland. Don't chance it. You know, you don't know how it's going to end up. I think I had one, one caller asked me on one of the shows, well, I think that tornadoes are probably worse and that I could just use a table and a quilt and I'll be fine. Oh, I'm like, uh, listen, I appreciate your opinion, but uh, I'm going to beg to differ on that one. I said uh, one of these storms, as massive as it is, will dis- will destroy and level out your home, uh, quilt and table. So, again, we've got to use common sense and good judgment. What kind of things did Governor Ron DeSantis do uh, in anticipation of this Hurricane. I know he acted uh, several days out, and uh, and I'm wondering what kind of preparations need to be made um, from the top down to to make sure the residents stay safe, including, like you mentioned, evacuation. But what other things have to be in place already uh, so people can act in a in a timely manner once the hurricane passes? hundred percent. So, again, your federal search and rescue teams were coordinated, right? We know that way in advance. We know that medical support was automatically uh, uh, available for hospitals, nursing homes, and also other medical facilities. And we know that FEMA also uh, delivered millions of meals and, and, and just tons of water, liters of water to areas in Florida, right? So those are some of the things that that they did. They deployed uh, the National Guard. American Red Cross was there to assist. You had all of the contact numbers from the emergency management teams that were out there pushing out information safety information uh, and resources that could be available. One of the biggest resources as well was, hey, if you get caught up in this thing, where can I go shelter, right? And the one thing with IVM, where I work at, I can tell you right now, all of these venues and facilities, many of them are equipped to house people and are used as 
staging areas like the Orange County Convention Center, which I will be up there training all of their teams. Uh, I think next next month, it's 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 going to be a huge training for all of their teams. Um, I can tell you right now, they use that Orange County Convention Center to stage uh, tons of emergency vehicles. Um, you know, in preparation for the storm. And then where are the first responders? I mean, say you go to a place like Fort Myers Beach, which you've seen, Mark, has been absolutely destroyed, decimated. Where the first responders who are responding there and recovery, search and rescue, where do they stay afterwards? Are there other shelters? Are there, you know, tent cities? Are there um, hotels that are empty? Where, Where do the first responders stay so they can continue to do their job? No, that's a really good question. Listen, they dedicate uh, certain locations that they know are kind of a, you know, out of the danger zone and in sure. safe areas where they can house these emergency responders. You know, in the midst of this storm, um, some of them, are, some of them are nearby, so they're able to respond. But many of them are placed in locations, obviously, that are rendered safe. Um, for the most part, because there's no guarantee, right? You just don't know. I mean, you, you could put all those emergency vehicles in itself inside the Orange Convention Center, Orange County Convention Center, and you have a storm like this that could potentially level it off, right? So you don't know. You're assuming there's there's an assumption of risk. You just hope that you're finding those structures and, and locations that are safe to house people, persons, emergency responders, and equipment. Uh, Mark Herrera is an expert in emergency response. We're talking about the um, search and rescue effort now going on after, you know, in the wake of Hurricane Ian. It seems like there are so many people, like you said, this giant coordinated effort. When you're a first responder, how do you know who's, I mean, in charge, I guess? It seems like there's a giant link, a giant chain of command. And if you don't have the wherewithal to like, you know, if you don't have your stuff together and you don't have, uh, people don't know who to answer to, it could be chaos. How How does that work? 100%. So you have to have a solid incident command structure. You have to have what is called a unified command system in place. That's where all authority and processes are funneled through. So everybody knows what their role is in the midst of an emergency, whether you're local, state, or you're a federal agency. You know who you're going to – it's just like this humongous work chart. You know who coordinates what, who's responsible for what. It takes the guesswork out. That way there's no question because if you don't have that in place, I can tell you right now, then no one's going to take the responsibility at that given moment because they don't know that that is their role. So all of this has to be practiced in advance of any storm or any crisis. Anytime I do training, I always say you need to have, like I spoke on Uvalde, the school shooting. I said, listen, if you don't have a solid unified command system in place, you're going to have a problem because no one's going to know who does what at that given moment at that given time. And it's too late in the midst of crisis. You got to do it. You got to plan that in advance. So you got to prepare, plan, be prepared to respond, and recover. Those are the four components that you have to have in place. Mark, one more thing here before we let you go. When you've got so much water through a community, the storm surge, the rain, the unbelievable flooding, the horrific pictures that we're seeing right now, how much of a threat is biological and health? Are there a lot of bad chemicals and things like that coming through the neighborhood? That's absolutely a great question, and the answer to that question is yes, right? You don't know. The waters The waters are going to be – a lot of things have been displaced. I mentioned wildlife just a little bit ago. The alligators alone and all your wildlife has been displaced and moved. Typically, 
they start preparing themselves and going to higher ground as the storm comes in. But you have wildlife. You do have chemicals, right? So a lot of these plants and places that, are, that have, have had chemicals, keep in mind that all that's in the water. Keep in mind that you have electrical lines that are under underground that are uh, submerged underwater. So if you're walking in these places and you don't have the right equipment, guess what? You're gonna, you could encounter wildlife. You could in, encounter biological chemicals, things that could be hazardous or caustic to your health. And you could also encounter, uh, you know, electrical current. So those are things you've got got to be aware of. Not to mention running water that can actually sweep you away as well. Mark Herrera, expert in emergency response. Mark, this has been a fantastic conversation. I think a lot of us understand a little bit better what's actually taking place with these first responders down in Florida and areas that are affected by this hurricane. Thank you so much for the time. Nigel and Hammer, thank you for having me, and I appreciate what you do. Keep everybody informed, stay safe, and uh, I'm here if you ever need me. You got it. Thank you. I didn't even think about the alligators. I mean, the displaced wildlife down there and the first responders, out of all the things those people down there trying to rescue citizens have to worry about, getting eaten by an alligator is one one of them. Well, when I saw the dead monkey on the side of the road that one day, I I asked locals, is this normal? And they said because of a previous hurricane when the wildlife had been displaced and a zoo had uh, things get crazy. That's what happens. Be sure to catch us every weekday, 3 to 7 on 93 WIBC, or subscribe and get it right to your phone.